content place tonight and the reason I'm coming to you from a very content place is because the Knicks the New York Knicks the New York Knicks who some people pegged to win 20 games 18 games things of that nature well they won a game tonight and as much as I wish I was going to be able to introduce a guest to talk to you and me about that win and about the Knicks, we had an unfortunate circumstance where our planned guest tonight had to cancel last minute. So you got me going solo. And I'm going to talk about the Hawks game because there are some things of note uh, to take from that game, most notably one Tim Hardaway Jr., Getting to the line no less than 20 times tonight. Uh, that was pretty impressive. But before I get to the Hawks game, I have to start out just by taking a little bit of a big picture view. Because I think sometimes in an NBA season, we get a little bit caught up as fans. And we get... A little too deep into the forest to see the trees, which out of all of the stupid sayings that have come to exist in our world might be my least favorite because how in God's name can you be in a forest and not see the goddamn trees? Because a forest is made of trees and unless you are blind or wearing a blindfold or drunk or something along those lines, um, you're going to see the trees because they're right in front of you. But whatever, uh, that's the phrase. So that's what we do sometimes as fans. We, we kind of get so into the nitty-gritty that we forget things that probably should matter more than the things that actually do end up mattering to us on a day-to-day, game-to-game, week-to-week basis. And I, I think it's important to highlight the fact that, you know, it's not that the Knicks are good, because they're not good. And I think someone actually got upset at me on Twitter the other day for going so far as to say that, you know, I said something like, for a bad team, blah, 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 whatever I said. And they're like, the Knicks aren't a bad team. They're just young. Well, no, the Knicks are a bad team. And if you watch them against the Bulls, you know, a, a good team, if you take one guy out of the lineup, uh, they're still going to look Okay. And the Knicks, you took one guy out of the lineup, Tim Hardaway Jr. against the Bulls, and they looked like a trash fire, um, despite the fact that they took that game to two overtimes, which, as I said the other night, I thought was an accomplishment. But no, the Knicks are not a good team, and they're not going to be a good team at any point this year. But there are ways in, there are different ways in which you can be a bad team. And all you have to do to know that is just to look around the league at what's going on in some of these cities 
and some of these places where there is bad basketball going on, but there's other stuff going on as well. Like the Phoenix Suns um, have veterans that are blatantly not trying. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks have a situation where they have a point guard that they drafted last year in Dennis Smith Jr., who there's already been some, shall we say, rumblings that he is not terribly content with having to play off the ball. There's been some little clips floating around the internet. There's Minnesota, where who the hell knows what's going on there. You know, we have, in the Eastern Conference, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers, which are, I mean, redefining the term dumpster fire. They can't get out of their own way. Um, the Washington Wizards, despite the spirited effort that they showed the other night against the Knicks, you know, much the same. Uh, the Bulls have had snippets already this year, 11 games into their season of, you know, their free agent signing, uh, big free agent signing of the summer, Jabari Parker, just not giving any craps at all on defense and kind of hijacking the offense. These are things that are going on in the league. And it's the beginning of November and this stuff is happening. And meanwhile, you have a team like the Knicks. And the Knicks, again, they're only 4-8, and eight, but they have had a lead in every single game but one uh, that they have played this season. And the one was the game in Miami where they just, you know, they were in it for a half and then they kind of got their doors blown off in the third quarter. But every other game they have had a lead in the fourth quarter. And more significantly than that, there hasn't been an instance yet this year where you looked at this team and you watched them and you're like, God, they really just don't care. And as someone who has had to watch this team um, <laughs> for reasons that I can't fully explain uh, for, for the last 17 years, that is refreshing. And more than the fact that it's refreshing for fans who, you know, have stuck with them, it matters in terms of what they're trying to do, where they're trying to go, and the image that they are trying to portray around the league. And I just said it on the little the little periscope that I did after the game. This is a small league. Guys talk. Guys pay attention. And the fact that the Knicks are in every single one of these games and they're winning a couple games here and there, and granted two of their four wins have come against the Hawks and another against the Nets, who are, are good, but still... Um, and another against the, the Mavericks, who are obviously having their issues. I get all that. And I get the fact that these wins are, you know, maybe the wins don't have that much value. But the way that they're going out and playing and performing night after night, when teams around the league are just already kind of calling it, not calling it quits, but, you know, there's already things that you, you wouldn't expect to see in March, let alone now. We haven't seen any of those things from the Knicks. Like, none of them. Yeah, sure, some of the guys are, are bad and play badly because they're, you know, not great players. And they're inconsistent players. That's why they were, uh, you know, some of them were available to be picked up. I get all that. But 
the fact that the coach is giving these guys a chance to at least work their way through it, and the only thing that gets them taken off the court at any point in time is laziness. And there have been the amount of instances that I could remember through 12 games thus far of guys not giving it their all, I could count on one hand. Um, And that, to me, is huge. Is absolutely gigantic. You know, if you go through their roster, there are, you know, how many players on this team coming into the season that you would have said, all right, that person is a good defender. Frank Milikina is one, but he's 20. Damian Dotson, you probably would have given the benefit of the doubt, but he's not a guy that we saw at all last year, so you you weren't sure. Um, you know, we knew Mitchell Robinson had some nice defensive ability, but he's a kid that hasn't played basketball in 14 months or 15 months, whatever it is. Um, Von Ley, maybe. You know, he's shown some signs of being a nice defender at the five, but, you know, he's been playing at the four um, a lot of this year. And Lance Thomas. Um, That's it. That's the list of guys on the Knicks that you could point to and say they might be good defenders. And yet, after this game, and actually before this game, and it will be the same after this game, the Knicks are going to be a top half of the league team in terms of defensive rating. And I I don't know that you could have gotten odds on that before the season started, but boy, I mean, you want to talk about signs that a culture is changing? I don't care who they played. The fact that the Knicks, with this group of guys, is the, the 15th best team by defensive rating in the league, you know, ahead of teams like the Spurs and the Jazz... And the, and the Rockets, who were a top 10 defense last year. I mean, that's that's insane. But it's happening. It's actually a thing that is real and is happening right now in front of our eyes. Um, so big picture-wise, again, taking a step back, zooming out, looking at what really matters. Has this team actually, despite the fact that they're still not winning games... Have they rebranded themselves as a place where guys feel, oh, wait a minute, that team right there, they they have something going on. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but they got something going on, and I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I want to find out more. I want to talk to the guys on that team about what it's like to play for that coach. And is it everything that I've heard about playing in that building night after night after night? So, yeah. Am I excited for a 4-8 team? Yeah, you're damn right I'm excited for a 4-8 team. I'm not afraid to say it. It is what it is. Um, and it all starts with, with the guys that are running running the show. And that's Scott Perry and Steve Mills. And most importantly, the guy that is not running the show. And that is James Dolan. James Dolan has butted out. He has butted out for a few years now. And you know what? There's always going to be rumblings from the mass media uh, who might say, eh, you never know. You never know. Jimmy, Jimmy might dip his toe back in that water any day now. You know what, guys? It's not happening. And I don't think it's going to happen because the people that he's put in place to make the decisions for this team are making responsible decisions and it's showing up on the court. 
And it showed up on the court um, tonight uh, against a bad Hawks team, but it showed up nonetheless. And, you know, the Knicks had a lot of guys you could point to to be happy about. Uh, Frank Nilakina, in terms of guys that you're thinking about big picture, um, he looked like the version of himself we saw when he was first instituted into the starting lineup at the point guard position this year. He had 14 points on 10 shots. He drove the lane several times. He was aggressive, but aggressive in a way that seemed more natural than just kind of, all right, I'm going to stand out here on the three-point line and I'm going to just hoist threes because that's what I'm supposed to do. No, he he got into the lane and even though he didn't always convert it when he got down there, you know, 14 points on 10 shots is a good night when you play the type of defense that Frank plays. And the six fouls are annoying because they were ticky-tack, you know, bullshit fouls. But um, he'll learn lessons and he'll move on. Obviously, the big story then I was Tim Hardaway Jr. 34 points, um, 20 free throw attempts. He made 16 of them. You know, I've been going back and forth all day. And really, it, it feels like for months or even going back to when they signed him with people on Twitter about is Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract an asset? You know, some people get mad at me because I say that they should explore opportunities to move that contract if they could get like a small asset back in return, like even a protected like first round pick and, you know, maybe take back some not so great salary that is less money annually, but, you know, for a lesser player. You know, there are people who think I'm crazy for proposing that the Knicks would even entertain such a deal. And then there are other people who are like, if you could get rid of Tim Hardaway Jr., get rid of him yesterday and ask questions later. You know, so as, as with, with with most things um, on Nick's Twitter, the truth probably lies somewhere in between. Um, but if he's going to be a guy who gets to the lane uh, or gets to the line, excuse me, even eight or nine times a game, um, He's going to continue. He's going to make more threes than he made tonight. He was off tonight. Uh, he only went two for 11 from behind the arc. Um, but he is shooting after tonight. It'll be in the high 30%. Um, that's that's a version of Tim Hardaway Jr. that can make you it, it not okay with the defense because teams are targeting him at this point on defense, especially late in games. And we've done some film work on NicksFilmSchool.com um, to show you, you know, exactly how teams are going after him at times late in the game, uh, you know, and it's not good. That being said, if he's going to be this type of offensive player, it, it, it makes it, you know, it doesn't make it all right. It makes it palatable, let's say. Um, Moutier had his best game in a, it, I mean, Christ, he might've had his best game as a, as a professional basketball player. Um <laughs> And that goes back to his China days. Uh, he, you know, 11 points on four of eight shots made all three of his three-point attempts, which if you would have told me that was possible, I would have told you to uh, go continue smoking up whatever whatever you were smoking. Um, he looked okay to me. He played within himself. He didn't make – I mean, I think he only had one turnover tonight. Um, you know, his defense is going to continue to be a drag, but – Listen, um, it's when you're looking for a backup point guard in this league. There's not 
it's it's not like you're expecting stuff that's going to knock you out of the park um, or knock you off your feet, I guess would be the better term. You just want competence and you want a guy who's going to get other guys the ball in their spots. And when when opportunities open up for him, he takes them. And that's what Moutier did tonight. And he's, he's kind of been doing it since he's been back, you know, in the rotation this year. Um, he has a, a cap hold, obviously, that if they sign anybody, they're going to renounce. But, you know, who knows? I wouldn't completely rule out him being here next year. Maybe, you know, they they renounce the cap hold and bring him back on some kind of a minimum deal. Who knows? Um, but the fact of the matter is this is a guy who most people thought this summer was not an NBA player. And again, every good game he has is another feather in David Fisdale's cap. And like I like I said at the beginning of this podcast, that matters. Guys notice that. So as far whenever I say something good about Moutier, I mean yes, it's good for Moutier and it's good for the team this year, and that's all well and well and fine. But it's a big picture thing um, with him. Every good game he has, it it does matter. Um. Trey Burke was out of the rotation. Um, and I feel bad. But at the same time, since the day Fisdale got here, he's been preaching the same thing. You keep what you kill, and the guys who earn it are going to get their chances. And Trey Burke has not earned it. And if you've watched the Knicks this year, um, you know that because he gets exploited on defense, despite the fact that he tries hard. And I recognize the fact that he tries hard and he generally is in the spots he's supposed to be in, but he can't overcome his limitations on that end. And that just is what it is. And when, you know, you're a guy that is his size and you're not making shots at an efficient rate. And let me, I'll, I'm going to pull it up right now. Um, Trey Burke on the year is shooting. Um, here we go. He's shooting 40% from the field. He's shooting 34% from deep. His true shooting percentage, which is the real number that you want to look for, is 47%. Now, I know people are going to listen to this and be like, well, Frank's true shooting percentage is, I'm, I'm sure it's somewhere around the same thing right now. But yeah, the difference is that Frank gives you such a plus on the other end and Trey Burke just, he doesn't do that. So am I shocked that Trey Burke was out of the rotation? No. Um, do I have another answer for like how to, a way to get him back in the rotation? No. Do I expect him to get another opportunity at some point this year? Yes. Do I know how that's going to happen right now? No, I don't. Um, that's really, I mean, those are the things that stood out to me from the game tonight. Trier, it's, it's, you know, it's amazing. This kid, it's, it's like, he's an undrafted rookie and he just played 36 minutes and had 16 points on nine shots. And he's the fourth guy that I'm mentioning. Like, he should be, he should be leading every Knicks podcast, every Knicks article, every Knicks, everything. Like, this is an undrafted rookie who's doing this, and we're already, after 12 games, somehow taking him for granted. I'm admitting it. I'm taking him for granted. And I, I, it's, <laughs> it's unbelievable how quickly he has acclimated himself to the NBA game. Um, 
Yeah, the Knicks, they found themselves they found themselves a player. Um, you can be sure of that. Knox looked rusty. He looked really, really rusty. Um, didn't score in nine minutes. Missed all six of his field goal attempts. Um, he'll get better. Uh, Cantor had a quiet 17 and 11 in 30 minutes. David Fisdale, after the game, praised Cantor. That was actually the thing that, that stood out to me in, in Fizz's post-game press conference. He actually made a point to say that he really liked the way Cantor was moving his feet on defense and attributed um, Cantor's defense to part of the reason why Trey Young did not have a great game. He said, obviously, some of the credit went to Nilakina, but he, he gave Cantor some of the credit. So I thought that was nice. Um, Dotson had a quiet game, 18 minutes, usual solid defense, but only one shot. Um, he made it, three-pointer. Mitchell Robinson had some nice blocks. Uh, Vonley started off nice, uh, you know, quieted down down the stretch. Hazonia uh, gave the team some nice minutes. And that's really it. Um, that's, you know, I, I they're going to, they're about to embark on a stretch that is going to be difficult. Um, you know, just looking briefly at the games that they have, uh, coming up on the schedule, it is it is it is not going to get easier, um, like at all. Uh, they go to Toronto um, on Saturday, a Saturday afternoon game. And if you have not watched Toronto this year, Toronto, as far as I'm concerned, is playing about as well as any team in the league. Then they have a home game against Orlando, and then things get pretty ugly. At Oklahoma City, at New Orleans, at Orlando. So, you know, maybe they, you know, you figure if they split the two games in Orlando, okay, fine. Then home for Portland, who has, I think, the third or fourth best net rating in the league. Then they're at Boston. Then they're home for New Orleans. Then at Memphis, at Detroit, at Philadelphia 76ers, home for Milwaukee, home for Washington, at Boston, and then it lightens up a little bit with uh, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Cleveland, Charlotte. Although Charlotte's a playoff team right now. So things are going to get tough before they get easier, and that's fine. Um, so for anybody out there listening that is upset that they got their fourth win tonight, trust me, about a month from now, uh, you're, you're, you're not even going to remember that because they're, they're going to lose some games. But again, it's okay. As long as they keep showing up, as long as they keep putting forth the fight that they are putting forth, if you're a fan out there and you, you know, you wanted to check two boxes going into this year, you wanted to see the young players get time and get better, and you wanted to see the team approach these games with a certain modicum of pride and diligence and work ethic and 48 minutes of basketball. And I know Fisdale has said, yeah, we're playing 40-minute games. He doesn't mean they're they're not trying after 40 minutes. He just means they're not executing after 40 minutes. They have tried for 48 minutes in, as far as I'm concerned, pretty much every one of these games that they've played. So, feeling good tonight. Again, it's 4-8. and eight. It's a win against the Hawks. But... If you were a reasonable fan and you had reasonable expectations going into this year, I don't know how you're not happy um, after this one. So thank you for uh, tuning in. If you're not already subscribed, please do so. Uh, check out Nick's Film School. we got some great content coming up the next couple of days. 
And that is all I got for you. We will be back with another podcast. Uh, Probably the next one will be dropping on Monday, but don't hold me to that. Maybe we'll, we'll have a surprise in store. We'll see. Next win. Thank you for tuning in. And we will talk to you soon. Giddy up.